Hello and welcome to Our Friends the Anthology episode eight. Yeah. I was gonna get I was gonna say it. <laughs> sure you were. Episode eight. This is our last Twilight Zone episode. And it's also one of my two favorite Twilight Zone episodes. Huh. A stop at Willoughby. I'm Ron. Oh, I'm David. So let's dive right in. Alright. What do you think? I like this episode. I think yeah, this is I probably yeah. I figured this is probably my favorite of the ones we've seen. Yeah, it's very confident and focused. There's no frills. It's not a complicated story. It's just very well executed. And I love the fact that there's sort of two plots going on. There's can we give a quick summary? Um, yeah. So it's about a guy who works at an ad agency, and he's not happy. And he probably chose the wrong career. And when he goes home to his wife to complain, he doesn't, it's not any happier. She's, he doesn't like the push and the grind and the the hustle of, of it all. And she wants him to like it. And she's complaining and she has a big appetite for things. So he's just stressed and sick and not, and unhappy. And every day on the train he'll dream about this place called willoughby the train stops it's all of a sudden an old railroad car and it stops at this place called willoughby which looks like way behind the times i think it's like late 1800s or something yeah there's a bandstand it just looks nice and serene and it's instead of winter it's summer and uh yeah this is kind of his escape but it's also there's also the feeling as you watch it that it's a siren song that he, he's yeah. in a little bit of danger maybe. And then there's a great twist that we'll get to probably in a minute. Well, I, I love the fact that there you have sort of two things going on. You have his life at the ad agency, the sort of pressures on his normal life. And then you have the sort of like what you, the world that is totally different as you described it, like kind of the siren song. And I liked that the sort of framing device that his life was very grounded. It was very real. The problems that he had were very just humdrum, you know, like bad job wife that doesn't see eye to eye with him. And I think it made the supernatural element. It, it sort of helped that it didn't feel it was more grounded in an emotional reality than all of the other episodes we've seen. Mm, it didn't yeah. feel like a twist or like supernatural elements for supernatural sake. You know, it felt natural. Yeah. I mean, this is one of my favorites. I, I love the whole thing. So what, what makes it your, one of your favorite episodes? First of all, this guy has such a nice, like a good natured feeling to him. He just seems like a nice guy. And I don't know. I like the kind of the idea of this guy who is trapped in, Actually, I was listening to the commentary about it, and the person who recorded the commentary, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, he said that this might be one of the episodes that is closest to being autobiographical about Rod Serling. Huh. Because Rod Serling was this guy who wanted to write things, and he was not really a fit for TV and production where everybody is a climber and a hustler and a... You know what I mean? He wasn't into any of that. He just wanted to make his show and tell his stories. And uh, so I found that pretty interesting. But, you know, you feel for this guy because he really, he even says at some point, he's like, I just need, I just want any job where I can just be me and not be this 
sleazy kind of he's talking about like how he has to he's he has to wear you know country clubs as a symbol of status and he just doesn't feel like he fits in in any of that he doesn't want to be a poser he doesn't want to be i don't know i find that i guess maybe relatable not relatable because i don't have country club that i can be like oh i'm so sick of being this country club member <laughs> no but it as like a decent human yeah he's being a nice guy with... who is sir who in order to be a success he has to be around and be doing things that he doesn't enjoy yeah and he's part of even if he can't necessarily relate exactly to his predicament we're all in some ways part of this sort of social treadmill whether it's yeah you know That's college dead or we all have these pressures that, that we've acted under made choices under then have ended up i mean look unless you're 100 percent happy with your life there's something here that you can identify with what I really, really like about this episode, first of all, the whole thing on the train is so evocative to me. It's so atmospheric. And then this idea of the dream and him getting a little bit further every time in the dream. Yeah. Something about that just, it's so, it just captures my imagination. And it does toe this strange line where he, it's so it's an escape but it also seems like dangerous yeah and he shouldn't be getting off oh, i love the way they blur to where he'll like the first time he dreams it he's standing outside on the platform and then the train starts and it pins him back and then the sound design continues and it jolts him awake too and so like the way that the dream and him and his re and him waking up from the dream merge together it's really effective it, it it makes it just so it made it really exciting the first time i saw it so like also the second time he dreams he starts shouting for the conductor and i i, I love the way they blur those lines basically yeah and then the conductor is you know walking and then he hears conductor conduct and he turns and he goes what is it? And then he wakes up and I, yeah, it's just so interesting. I love that there's a level of restraint shown in this episode. And, and what I mean by that is that there, we never see the moment where he realizes that he's trapped or that something's wrong. There's never a moment where, I mean, obviously like the, the twist is that we, we end up seeing his body in the snowbank and he gets yeah, hauled I mean, away by the but, funeral home, which says Willoughby. But, but the message is really unclear too there. Cause it's, and, and uh, the, on the commentary was kind of referencing this as well, where you can't tell if you're supposed to feel sorry or happy right. for him. There is sort of a chance that he's in Willoughby and that it's everything he, he hoped it would be and that he's just left to live out the rest. But there's also there. the reality that we know right. and it's him being carted off on a hearse because he's leapt to his death while in his dream. There's and there's two moments that I love. One is early in the episode, he gets yelled at by his boss or whatever, and then he snaps back and then he goes to his office and sits there, and then the camera just really slowly moves around and pushes in on him a little bit. And he's just sitting there in this dark room with his like little ad board of ideas. Uh and he just I don't know, feels all alone and just doesn't you know, he's an unhappy person and you yeah. really see it in the fact that that shot lingers for longer than 
you would expect. It's just the right amount of time to convey that without, you know, dialogue or any of that. It's not even a performance thing. It's just a man sitting, he's unhappy, and it's just showing him for the right amount of time. Yeah. And uh, there's also a thing that they do well where he had, he's very good with words, and you you see why he would be a good ad man, why he, would, he might be good at his job, but it's not the environment in which he wants to use that skill. Mm. And it's funny how he's probably good at his job because you, you hear him like make these turns of phrases and how he describes it. You know, it, it's an interesting character trait. And, yeah. and so you think, oh, he's probably pretty good at his job. He just doesn't have that ruthlessness. And then it's kind of funny that at the end you see him selling flowers. He would just, he would be willing to do this job that has nothing to do with this God-given gift because he's, he's just so sick of the hustle or whatever. When I think we see, because he does something wrong and he gets yelled at by the boss and there's sort of the, the tension of like, oh, is he going to get fired? And then he doesn't. But it, in the end, it know, almost, that's kind of surprising. It almost actually. seems like him getting fired could be like a mercy. It could be what it, what he wants because that would have made the decision for him, and maybe it would have spared him this sort of existential grief that he feels and that forces him to. What well, the end? He does lose his job. Oh, he does get fired at the very end. He he so. brings it on himself though, right? He quits. Yeah, I think pretty much. And then he calls his wife and says, "I just need you to stay there. I'm not going to keep it." And then she's not going to stay there, and she's leaving him too. Okay, never mind. And now he has nothing, but he's excited to go back to Willoughby. He has this plan. It's so interesting. It's so just weird. And then there's a moment that maybe people, maybe it's really cheesy, but to me, it's just fantastic where he's sitting on the train. It's before the second uh, commercial break and, or one of the commercial breaks. He's sitting on the train. He's had the dream the second time. He's been shouting conductor and he wakes up and he says, I'm okay. And then he's, now woken up from the dream and he goes next time i'm going to get off at willoughby i'm going to get off at willoughby and he like says it to himself and it's just this like exciting you're like what is going to happen when he gets off at will see in the news (laughs) he goes you're like what is going to happen when he gets off at willoughby and you can see this like resolve in his face and it's such it's so interesting um and then yeah kind of the darkness of what also the twist is sorry just like the added i mean you should watch this episode if you haven't seen it but yeah. we should have made that disclaimer a long time ago but the twist is that he in his dream he's getting off at willoughby in real life he's jumped off the train and he's jumped to his death but the twist is that when the hearse takes him away they shut the door to the back they floated his corpse onto the into the car and then they shut the door and the the name on the hearse is willoughby and son mortuary or whatever it is right so he he got off at willoughby or he's stopping at willoughby oh and i love the guy who plays the conductor i think he's the name, willoughby conductor yeah yeah because he's just this mix of really friendly sweet old man and There's a little mischievous mischievous uh Twinkle in his eye. Yeah. His name's James Maloney, apparently, the actor. Also, I love how it starts in the thick of things, this episode. It mm. starts where he's in the meeting and he's in trouble and he gets balled out by his boss. And it's kind of like that old adage about writing where you want to start 
as right. late as you can. In most, your race. Yeah. And this really starts late. Yeah. You know, we don't see, oh, you've got that big important meeting, which is probably how I would have started the script. <laughs> <laughs> and it ends early. Yeah. You don't get as much of Willoughby it's, as we want. It's right. It's very economical. Yeah. Also, I love that. Like, I have such a weird uh, obsession with nostalgia and Willoughby. I, that speaks to me like this older, more quaint time. And yeah, it's all serene. And yeah. So, yeah, I really like this episode. I have a feeling you'd like my other favorite episode a lot better, though. Hmm. But too bad we're done with Twilight Zone. So. Oh, no. <laughs> You'll never see it. We'll probably come back to Twilight Zone. So next week, we're going to be starting a new series. Actually, mm. next week, we're going to be starting a new format. Yeah. Because Ron had a pretty brilliant idea. We're going to twist things up a little bit. So the anthology show is changing. What it's going to, the way it's going to work now is we're going to pick shows or we're going to have guests on who pick shows. And the premise is that you have to sell your show in four episodes. We'll cherry pick the episodes, the best of these series right. that we're going to cover. And at the end, the person who hasn't seen it is going to decide whether they would continue watching the show or not. And the idea is that hopefully they'll kind of stand alone, but also illustrate an aspect or facet of the series that, you know, is worth mentioning, worth checking out that makes a case for why you should give the show your time. And I'm excited. That it'll be a bit more of like a, a tour through the best of the shows. And mm -hmm. hopefully it'll expose us to some shows that we're not familiar with. And also it'll give us a chance to, present you with some of our favorites and mm -hmm. the first up is buffy the vampire slayer which i'm a huge fan of and i think david i've seen it seen it <laughs> hasn't really let his feelings known that's okay and the first i think i've let my feelings be known by omission <laughs> wow all right this will be an interesting test case then all right so the first Buffy episode we'll be starting with is Band Candy, which is season three, episode six. And I've very carefully selected these episodes. I'll talk, obviously, more about why once we watch it. And I think Buffy is streaming on Netflix. So check it out and Perfect. join us next episode. See you next week and have an amazing week. Wow. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I like see you next week. No, you have to do it. See you next time and have an amazing week. I like see you next week and have an amazing week. <laughs> I know you do. It's better. But it's my line. <laughs> Hello.